Hello, my name is Danielle and I'm from Boston. Hi, my name is Nicolina and I'm from Bosnia and Herzegovina. Hi, I am Anya and I am from Poland. I'm Meredith and I'm from Long Island, New York. We are members of Humanity in Action's John Lewis Fellowship. Today's podcast episode is entitled Views from the South. Last week, we went out to the streets of Atlanta to ask folks what misconceptions people hold about Atlanta and the South more broadly. These same people shared their perspective on what being a part of either community means to them. We as fellows also chime in and talk about our own misconceptions and how our understandings have changed as well. Our first clip features a man I spoke with about his impressions of the South, and here's the part that most stuck out to us. I think the biggest conception might be how Southerners talk. We always associate the way uh, Southerners talk with dialect, with what's referred to as a twang or a draw. And what I found is that when I came here, not everybody spoke in dialect, not everybody spoke in a drawl, and in fact, I've heard a lot of eloquent speech. Yes, you do hear a little bit of drawl. You may hear some people who are dialectal uh, based on which part of the South they're from. There's something different about, for instance, how they talk in Georgia, how they talk in Louisiana, but uh, it's really a generalization to assume that everybody has this drawl and everybody's dialectal and that everybody speaks incorrectly. To be completely honest, I didn't even know there were different American accents. Um, the distinction we usually learn in schools uh, is the difference between British English and American English or Australian English. Um, and going through high schools and university, I had the pleasure of meeting a few American exchange students and I learned that there are some local differences in pronunciation, but I also discovered that there were some differences between the North and the South and that Southern accents weren't as favorable. One of the reasons we might think there is only one American accent is because of the mainly Northern accent used in in most TV shows. And for someone who is not from the U.S., I think this is very misleading. Yeah, um, the recording we just heard illustrates how people connect living in the South with a certain type of accent and how having this accent might be associated with being eloquent or not eloquent. And hearing this made me think, does having a drawl mean that you speak incorrectly? I think there is no correlation between having an accent and being well-spoken, and that this idea of unified English accent is discriminatory not only for the people outside from the U.S., but also for people within the U.S. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Nicolina and Anya, and just to respond to the man speaking, I think that I agree with him when he says that there is diversity in language and accent, but... I would just push back that like eloquence and speaking incorrectly are ideas that can't really exist when you think about the diversity of language and accents because like African-American vernacular or like people just speaking to someone within their community, like that's how they speak. And you can't really say like that's wrong or right. It's just how it is.
Nicolina also spoke to Ruben Villegas, a Puerto Rican who gave us his perspective on moving from Iowa to the South. Well, I grew up in Puerto Rico and I moved to the United States when I was 18. And I moved directly to Iowa, which is kind of a, a dramatic change. So growing up, I uh, had a very specific opinion of Americans, mostly from my experience of how they behaved in Puerto Rico, and it wasn't very favorable. And so coming to uh, America in general was kind of a big splash, learning how a lot of my the things that I thought were just a given were not entirely true. But I feel like uh, moving from Iowa down to the south really uh, helped me understand that America, it feels like several different countries in one. Um, I had a lot of misconceptions that I built up in the north while I was in Iowa that when I came south turned out to be false. Like I, you know, everyone always talked about the South as being this haven of, of racism. And yeah, although it's there, I feel like it's, it's just a different kind of thing that I, I don't think it's absent from all cultures. I think every culture has that in just a different way. And I, I feel like it's almost, it's helped me understand humanity more and it's also helped me appreciate America more. And yeah, I feel like it's helped me understand myself as well <laughs> a lot better and, uh, and how others perceive me and how I perceive myself, I guess. Well, I really appreciated what Ruben said and when, when he spoke about Northern racism, racism versus Southern racism, because as a Bostonian, um, I feel like it's really common for people to be like, oh, Boston's so progressive, Boston's doing this. And really, I think racism is still very pervasive and present, like it's just covert. Just because it's not as overt as it is in the South or as people tend to associate with the South doesn't mean it's not there anymore, like it still needs to be fought. Hearing Ruben made me reflect on when I first moved from New York to Phoenix, Arizona in 2012. Phoenix was a place that I had really only read about on the news in relation to people like former Sheriff Joe Arpaio. And I think it's still pretty common for people that don't live in the South to only think of this region when news stories come out focusing on majority Republican governments passing extreme bills, whether it relates to restrictions on reproductive rights, voting rights, or immigrants' rights. Regardless, what I learned in Arizona was that I saw some of the fiercest organizers and observed some of the most radical organizing that I had ever come across, specifically those with Puente Human Rights Movement, a grassroots migrant justice organization. So I think that people, particularly those from North and coastal regions, often dismiss the South as an overwhelmingly racist and white supremacist region. And there is some truth to this, but as we just heard, there's racism everywhere. And racism isn't even a uniquely Southern phenomenon. Racism is as American as apple pie. It's baked into the founding of this country and continues to shape events today. Because of this and what I saw during the fellowship, I think it's so important to focus on and uplift the vibrant, powerful communities of color, as well as those organizers doing incredible work in the South. For me, what most epitomizes this is what Dr. Carol Anderson, a professor at Emory University, told us about the need to look at the struggle for civil rights, not as history, but rather as strategy. I think many indigenous communities and communities of color know this, but as someone who is considered white in this historical time and place and belongs to a privileged white community, it's not something that I think we in this community recognize or register. 
from a Jamaican woman who tells us about what she believes people think about the South. Their prejudice. Mm-hmm. Um, their, their legal system is messed up. They, they don't have no justice down here. And uh, this is a Republican state, so they don't have no help. That's why when you walk down here, you will see all the people laying down in, in the bushes. This interview made me think about homelessness in general, and I think that having a large homeless population definitely is a problem in Atlanta and not just a stereotype. Um, When I arrived to Atlanta, I stopped to ask for directions, and one of the first things I was told is to be careful that there is a lot of homelessness and crime. Um, After living in Atlanta for a month, I was able to see what those that advised me meant. For me personally, it was very unsettling to pass by homeless people every day without being able to properly help them. But what can be very problematic is thinking that this only exists in the South. This exists in all bigger cities across the country, and I really think homelessness shouldn't be only associated with the South, but with the entire United States. Fighting poverty and homelessness should be something local authorities should get involved with as well, in my opinion, and not just sit back with their arms crossed. But to come back to the South, during our trip to Alabama, we also touched upon the fact that poverty and health-related illnesses specifically impact the the Black Belt line, which is alarming. And in light of this, seeing the homeless population in Atlanta, which is primarily African-American population, is just a reminder that the problems of the past aren't just a thing of the past. And it is also interesting how the Black Belt illustrates how many people per capita are incarcerated. During our fellowship, we learned that the places with the most lynchings now have the biggest prison population. We also learned that African Americans are more likely to receive the death penalty. So, there is the whole historic trajectory from the point of slavery to the point of mass incarceration, and it's very insightful to look at the contemporary problems of law enforcement and the justice system as a sequel to slavery and not viewing it as a separate problem. Yeah, and to really add on to both of these points, I'd also thought about how um, we heard from Zahara Green and Erin, two trans women from Transcending Boundaries, um, an organization focused on empowering trans youth and uh, members of LGBTQIA plus community. And what they both spoke about a lot is how homelessness amongst the trans and LGBTQIA plus population in Atlanta is a real big problem. And I'm really appreciative of the program for bringing in those two women to talk about their personal experiences as well as like stories more generally, because it really allowed me to see that, A, this is a big issue. And arguably, I would say it's a crisis and it's not something that's new, but continuing that theme of like history being cyclical, like this is something that's been going on for a long time. And the fact that the city of Atlanta isn't doing anything about it, about homelessness in general, but especially within the trans community or the LGBTQIA plus community is really unsettling.
Now, after talking about these really weighty topics, I think it's important to emphasize the fact that like there is a lot of hope that we've encountered during our time in Atlanta, especially within these interviews and within the different sessions. The next voice or voices that you're gonna hear are three boys that talked about how Atlanta is really a place of unity and of bringing people together and people showing that they care about each other. The South's very caring and we all care about each other and it's just, we're all just trying to have a good time. We look out for each other on an everyday basis. Unity, it's a lot of people who, it's a lot of good people in this world and so if you have a negative stereotype in your head about Atlanta or, you know, you know, a race. It's just, it's a lot of people that can prove you wrong and it's a lot of people out there that can prove you wrong. So yeah, unity and, you know, the brotherhood, all that stuff. I really loved what these young men were saying. It reminded me of just so many of the conversations that I've had with Uber drivers uh, during our time in Atlanta and it reminded me of one just last week. I, I took a ride with a driver and he said he was hit um, by a 19 year old who didn't have insurance and was actually still on a learner's permit. Anyway, the Uber driver who was African-American was faced with the dilemma of when calling the police to report the accident, what should he do with the person who hit him who was essentially still a child? And he stated that by calling the police, he could have contributed to putting this kid in jail and that once you're in the system, you're in it for the rest of your life. And so he made the choice to report the accident as a hit and run as a way to protect that kid and, you know, do something for his community. And I just thought that was really powerful. I think having a strong community is really important and inspiring, especially nowadays when everyone is mostly fighting for their own gains. We as a community still suffer from issues that are solvable, but we end up always focusing on ourselves and therefore miss the opportunity to show solidarity with each other. I think experiencing this definitely makes us want to build our, or strengthen our own communities once we get back home. And on the topic of like missing opportunities to demonstrate solidarity in the exact opposite fashion, I feel like the fellowship has been really big on unity and like that, that's that been a big thing that I've seen a lot um, in terms of the sessions that we've experienced. Uh, I feel like they really focus on different speakers coalescing around the same outcome of equity and representation within the different um, spheres that we inhabit. Also, just speaking about us as fellows, I think there were a lot, there were examples of unity and how we connected with each other. For example, 13th, the movie being really hard to watch for a lot of fellows or the arduous nature of the Alabama trip and how intense it was because of its weighty history. It was really hard, but people really showed up for each other. And then there were the moments like being at Andrea Young's house and singing with Brandon and Hilberto and all of us just being around each other. Like it was unity because we were sh showing so much love and the solidarity came from us just being around each other and commuting and engaging in a fellowship that was just really special. I also think we saw so much pain and suffering that you could feel disempowered at the end. But when you think about the power of community, you begin to be hopeful again. And I just want to say that for all of us that have gone through this fellowship, we are each other's community now. 
And when times get tough ahead, we can always look back and say that we'll always have Atlanta. And on that note, thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope that this episode gave you new views on Atlanta, the South, and the 2019 John Lewis Fellowship. Until next time.